Well, aloha from Maui, Hawaii. This is Michael Benner with the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. This week, we're doing part two of a six-part series called Fly, Feeling Like Yourself. This is a basic personal and spiritual development training that I've done in a variety of forms for many years. My practice was 30 years, and I think it probably was after the first three or four years that this core training uh, sort of fell into form, and I refined it a little bit over the years. And now that I'm living in Hawaii, I'm going to make this available to you freely, at least in this format. This program, in a one-on-one session, is about $1,500. Is the uh, career training, this is really the heart and soul of a career training I did in Los Angeles, a year-long, 160-hour career training in what we called meditative hypnosis. And this FLY program, Feeling Like Yourself, these six sessions, was really the heart and soul of it in terms of doing a basic training and also choosing particular techniques from the training to apply in a variety of other situations, like more of a counseling than a training uh, kind of a deal. And uh, that was $4,000, so I'm giving this all away for free, at least in this cursory way. So what it means is if you're already working as a therapist, a counselor, um, a, a, a guide of some sort, a trainer, a coach, um, and you're familiar with guided imagery and visualization, meditation and hypnosis techniques and and writing the narratives for such, uh, you can pick this up and begin to use it right away. All right? This does not belong to me. It is not copyrighted. Um, I mean, it's mine. I made it up, but... You know, without having a spiritual source, and none of us are good at anything. So this is of the universe and and for you to incorporate into your practice in any way that you see fit. Now, if on the other hand, you're the uh, client or the student, you might need a little more guidance. And, um, again, you can get that by... uh, Well, participating in the Thursday night video conference that we do online or sending me an email. Um, I do answer my email. You can even leave me a phone message anytime, 24-7. I give that number, in fact. It's in Los Angeles. It's 818. The area code is 818. And the number 569-3017. You can leave me a message there anytime, 24-7. That's 818-569-3017. Okay, reach me that way. Or email me at my initials at theagelesswisdom.com, mb at theagelesswisdom.com. And I'll tell you how you can, you know, get up to speed, get more training. And uh, at the very least, get on our newsletter list. Do that at theagelesswisdom.com. Remember, the T-H-E is part of the address, so it's after the W's, theagelesswisdom.com, and you'll see a button that says newsletter. Be sure you get the newsletter, and then 
all the information is available to you. We have about 115 programs in our archives now. All of that's free and available to you all the time. We have on the premium audio side of things the 99-cent programs at FocusedPassion.com. We're up to about 130 programs. And, gosh, these are powerful titles. Somebody asked me the other day about a problem they were having dealing with a difficult person, and they used that phrase. And I said, dealing with difficult people? Well, Steve and I did a program on that at FocusedPassion.com, and we sent them over there. Uh, I, I forwarded the program to him, and he loved it. So for every occasion, depressed, you look up a program on depression and find out what to do about it. Or if you're suffering from phobias or any kind of anxiety disorder, or you're somebody who describes yourself as spiritual but not really religious, the Mystery School, all kinds of information for you. As we take every Sunday here a comparative approach to religion and philosophy, uh, excluding nothing, really, except maybe the most rigid, fundamental, either-or views, everything-or-nothing, you know, binary views that some real strict fundamentalists have, uh, that by its very nature then would prohibit a comparative approach. And we're about looking at not only the differences, but more importantly, the continuity and the threads that, that harmonize, if not unify, uh, various religions. And then the ancient philosophies that come from a time before the great prophets and the great religions, the ageless wisdom, the Prisca Theologia, the ancient uh, and secret teachings. Uh, that's what we cover every week. And uh, I'm a student and a teacher, and if you're a student, hopefully you'll be doing some teaching. But uh, this is a post-guru approach. Your master is within you. It's your conscience, your higher self, your oversoul, if you will. It's intuitive in nature. And any time you close your eyes and breathe and relax, you can go to a place where... Ego tends to stand quietly on the side, and the higher self comes through. You begin to see the bigger picture, the connections, what, as I said, harmonizes, if not unifies things. And that's what we're all about. That's what uh, personal and spiritual development really is. It's not, in religion, I've never really pointed this out, I don't think, or, or talked about it at length, but... Essentially, the difference between spiritual development and, and um, a comparative view of philosophy, um, comparing that to religion, um, is essentially there, there's not a whole lot of room for spiritual growth in religion. It's instead pretty much um, dogma or uh, fixed ceremony and rituals and tradition from the past. It's it's difficult, especially in the fundamental parts of religion, to make it breathe, to make it feel alive and, and, and new again. 
And I think that's what a lot of folks are looking for when they describe themselves as spiritual but not religious. As our recent study, we're, we're coming up on 30% of Americans who describe themselves as this way. They feel a longing, a passion. They know they're connected to some kind of spiritual source. But um, religion isn't providing the answers they're looking for. Or maybe it's a good foundation, but it just doesn't meet all their needs, especially in the area of growing or evolving spiritually, developing yourself as an individual. Uh, Frankly, this is only about a hundred years old. This whole idea that you could consciously and deliberately know yourself and grow yourself. You know, before um, 1900 or so, the beginning of the 20th century, human beings always figured they just were who they were. You know, you are who you are. There's not much you can do about it. That's just the way they are. Some people... Even today, believe that, but we know it's not true. You can, when we talk about change who you are, we don't mean in a lateral sense or in a random way. We're talking about growing who you are, about unfolding a potential that is within you and within everyone. It's guaranteed, right? And so, how exciting here at the beginning of the 21st century. Uh, to be aware that we're part of one of the very first generations that has decided to consciously promote their own evolution. That's pretty cool. uh, You can see people doing that physically in bodybuilding and athletics and uh, accelerated healing and pain control, promoting their own physical health in the classroom with accelerated learning and uh, also on your own, when you're contemplating your existence and the very questions of life. Who am I? What am I for? Why am I here? And now what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Those kinds of things. Right? So, Okay, so Feeling Like Yourself is the name of this six-session program, The Fly Training. Last week we did part one, self-love. It all begins with self-love. You cannot love another beyond your willingness to love yourself. You cannot receive love from another beyond your willingness to love yourself. You wouldn't recognize it. You wouldn't know what it is. I mean, how many of us have at times wondered why the people who love us love us, right? Uh, You'd think we'd know what people love about us and most people don't they really don't it's one of the reasons we have such a strong need um, to be told again and again that that you're loved or to have it demonstrated to you somehow you know through words or actions or gifts or or touch or just spending time together so Self-love was our topic last week. This week, part two of the six, is healing childhood hurt. Now, to a lot of people, this is what psychotherapy and and, uh, counseling, uh, life coaching and such is really about, what it really centers on. 
is fix me. I'm broken. I um, I find as I get older that a lot of my emotional angst, my hurt and my upset, is rooted in childhood and uh, emotional trauma that I I never got over. Um, and I'm angry about it, and I'm depressed about it, and sometimes I feel sad, and sometimes very lonely and, and and alienated, and in summary, very stressed or or anxious, nervous, fearful, even. And so life is suffering, life hurts, and what are we going to do about that? Well, next week we're going to talk about in part three the language of feelings and how to interpret the feelings that the emotional feelings that you're experiencing at any given moment positive and negative in many ways there's much more to learn from your negative feelings than your positive feelings but you'll understand how to work with whatever is going on for you now when we talk about it next week but before we do that we have to look at the childhood hurt, the old feelings. Sometimes I suggest to my clients that they consider, and I'm sure you've heard this at some point in your life, that you can tell the age of a tree if you cut it down and count the rings. Because every year, every spring, many trees will just add a ring and it's pretty definitive, and if you see a, a cross slice of the tree, you can count them, one, two, three, and find out how old the tree is. Well, you know, the tree sort of waxes like dipping a candle. But consider that every tree that this tree has ever been is still within it, right down to the pencil-thin sapling at the core at the very center of the tree. It's still there. It grew and added a ring, got a little bigger in girth and, and, and you know dimension as it grew a little taller as well. Um, it's interesting. Some trees uh, grow tall and not wide and vice versa. <laughs> Another story. I was just talking to somebody about the high water mark on the tree and I said well if the tree grows doesn't the high water mark on the tree grow with it and he said not on this kind of tree sort of interesting <laughs> I never do that but you understand what I'm saying about the, the, the sapling at the center of the giant sequoia that's 2,000 years old and yet here at the center is the heart and soul that was there uh, for 1999 of those of those years well I'd suggest that in the same way, that everyone that you have ever been is still within you. And when we don't get the love that we need in childhood, and who does? And who does? I'm not sure I've ever met anybody who got out of childhood unscathed without some many emotional traumas, deep hurt even existential crises, childhood can be very, very difficult. So if we're not getting our love needs met as children, 
then our emotional development can be arrested or frozen in time. Not uniformly and not completely, but when stimulated as adults, these kids that we were, these damaged children from dysfunctional families often, or even if it's a high-functioning family, there is on occasion some dysfunctional behavior. Um, Kids with those memories, the kids we were, the kids that are within us now, if you will, like sub-personalities, will stand up and scream and shout and have a fit. And you might be 20 or 30 or 60 or 80 years old and not realize that the emotional hurt that you're feeling in the moment is largely rooted in something that happened to you in childhood that you never got over. Now, this is this is so uniformly and commonly true that it's almost a stereotype. You know, the Viennese psychiatrist stroking his goatee and saying, well, tell me about your childhood then. Right? Uh, sure. <laughs> you don't have to have years and years of training in psychology to begin to look at where our damage began. And, of course, it begs the question, well, what are we going to do about it? How could we heal childhood hurt? Is it true, Michael, as you said in the newsletter this week, that it's never too late to have a happy childhood? <laughs> what kind of time travel is this? Never too late to have a happy childhood. Um, it is true. That's why I put it in the newsletter. You can fix your childhood. And you don't have to relive every single trauma. This is the good news. You don't have to go into years and years and years of therapy unless you really enjoy it. Some people do stay in therapy for a decade or more with the same person. There's always new stuff coming up. But you don't have to do that. You don't have to revisit and recall and deeply understand every single emotional trauma, even if you could remember them. The good news is you only need to do it some significant number of times, four, six, ten, twelve, I'd say six to twelve times, somewhere in there, with a different event each time. And we're going to demonstrate this today. This is what we're talking about today. And I'll even walk you through a, a sample process, a guided imagery process, uh, at at the end of the class today. And you'll be able to participate also and ask questions and make comments either by text or telephone in about um, 25 or 30 minutes when we get to that point. So if you, let's say, eight or ten times do the technique that you're going to learn today or a variation of it and visit eight or ten different incidents from your childhood where you were damaged, where you were deeply hurt, where you uh, gave up, gave in, um, 
you know, were humiliated. Um, that comes up a lot, humiliation, children being humiliated by other children. You know, it's bizarre, the Lord of the Flies kind of uh, uh, atmosphere among children. We have these two sides, a side that's loving and kind and wants to be civilized, but then we have sometimes what that looks like just a thin veneer, and at our core we're really quite animalistic. Um, I don't think that's true. I think at our core is where we're most beautiful, our true nature. But um, look at the way we behave as adults. I watched the uh, film The Day the Earth Stood Still yesterday. Um, I'd seen the original one many times. This was the one from a couple of years ago with Keanu Reeves and you know, he's this alien being that comes to Earth and he encounters these humans and they say, why are you here? And he said, I've come to save the planet. And it's only later in the movie that this woman, the scientist he's interacting with, says, you mean save the planet for us or save the planet from us? And, of course, you find out he's there to wipe out humanity to save the planet from us. And that's understandable. Humanity, um, you know, we have these two sides. We have this shadow side, this ego side, this fear-based side. The great news, the miracle of life is that we have this other side that, again, is our, I believe, our core or our, our soul, so to speak, which is love and kindness and compassion and, and, and caring. And what a contradiction, what a paradox that we have both these parts within us. It's, uh, it's like that old story you may have heard it goes around the Internet about the uh, Native American Indian chief talking to his grandson and expressing that he has within him two wolves, a good wolf, and a bad wolf, and um, that they battle each other for his soul or his being. And the grandson says, well, who wins? And the grandfather says, the one I feed. And that's the issue in dealing with the paradox that we have a shadow side, and even as children can do horrible things but also suffer horrible hurt and never really get over it. And nobody seems to know how to help us, and we often feel so invisible and abandoned, we don't know how to help other people or ask for help from other people is what I mean to say. We don't know what to do. Well, we're going to talk today about how you can go back in your memory and use the imagination in a meditative state to create a situation where the subconscious, and this is 90 to 95% of mentality, the subconscious, the conscious part of you that wakes up and goes to sleep, is the tip of the iceberg, mostly dominated by the ego, mostly negative, 
mostly fear-based. The subconscious is many things. It's the portal to the higher self, to the soul. It is creativity. It is intuition. It's your emotional nature. By intuition, I mean your ability to understand whole concepts and um, uh, overarching umbrella uh, uh, concepts, so to speak. So subconscious is the source of creativity, um, of conceptual understanding, seeing the connections and the unity. Um, Also, your memory is in the subconscious. Your emotional feelings are in the subconscious. Notice all of these, when they arrive in a when they arrive in conscious awareness, bring with them a feeling of aha. Whether it's a new idea, creativity, aha, or a big picture, some gestalt, you suddenly get the whole thing, the whole enchilada, and it feels like oh, aha, this little burst of light, right? That came from the subconscious into your conscious awareness. A memory, you know, you're stroking your chin and saying, when was that? Where were we when this happened? And what was the name of that album and that band or whatever? Okay. And suddenly, aha. (laughs) So when a thought bursts into your awareness from the subconscious, it brings an emotional feeling with it. So we know the emotions are in there as well. Your emotional feelings are subconscious. And, um, of course, all of the body's autonomic systems, the cardiovascular, the respiratory, uh, the immune system, the nervous system, central nervous system, all of this autopilot stuff that repairs and replaces cells and heals the body and digests food, beats your heart, breathes you, all that intelligence is set on autopilot, and that's in the subconscious too. So here's the deal, gang. If we're going to heal childhood hurt, lesson two today of this six-part fly program, feeling like yourself, we're going to have to access the memory banks in the subconscious mind We're going to have to go back into your memory in such a way that the subconscious mind stops judging as real, unreal, real, unreal, current, future, past. When we quiet ourselves in meditation or progressive muscular relaxation, Breathe, relax, meditation, hypnosis, whatever you want to call it. Okay, When we get into these alpha brainwave levels, Stephen and I call it paradise, and we're finding yourself in paradise program, you gain access to the subconscious mind where you can, again, have greater access to each of these faculties I talked about, creativity, conceptual understanding, memory, uh, the emotional feelings that we're after. And if you want to promote healing and pain control, you do the same thing. To get conscious access of the subconscious, 
particularly now memory and emotions. That's what we're going after when we go back in time to fix your childhood. The memory and the emotion. And then factor into this the concept that the imagination or the subconscious mind, that's another word for the subconscious, the imagination, the willpower would be the similar term for the conscious mind, that the imagination, the subconscious mind, does not know the difference between something that's real or something that's imagined. The conscious mind knows, but you can put that into abeyance. You do it every time you go to a movie theater or watch a TV program that you're really interested in, maybe movies on TV. You know, you go to a, a, a movie theater, you pay $12 to get in and then <laughs> $20 for the popcorn or whatever. And you go into this movie theater, you know that it's just a movie, that it's light. But you've got a lot invested financially and otherwise in enjoying yourself in this movie theater. So you put the conscious mind into abeyance. You tell it basically to take a time out and go stand in the corner while you shift into, through relaxation and breathing in a closed, dark place, right, with fixed attention. So it's like a meditation, every movie you've ever been to. Even if you have a big screen TV at home, you like going to the movies to sit in this big dark room because it's a, like a hypnotic or a meditative state and you imagine that the light on the wall is real now again at any time you could reorient yourself wake up the conscious mind look over your shoulder and see oh yeah the light's coming from that projector back there and I can even I can even see it floating through the room. It's so dark in here. It's lighting up little dust particles. And then it hits the wall, bang, and it bounces off the wall into my eyeball. And then at that point, I pretend it's real. And my emotions are stimulated as if it's real. And my life is often changed if it's a decent movie because it seems so real. You ever think some actor that you really like uh, died, and then you remember, oh no, it was just a character in a movie that they played that died? <laughs> As an actor, they're still fine. Uh, it's easy to get confused. Okay. So you got to understand these five faculties of the subconscious or the imagination and how deep relaxation gives us access to those five faculties, the creativity, the conceptual understanding, the memory, the emotional feelings, and all the normally autopilot, autonomic nervous system stuff for pain control and healing and, and um, um, that type of thing. All of that stuff, plus the idea that the subconscious is not deciding whether something is real or imagined. The conscious mind does that. To the subconscious, it all seems real. It's all real, right? So we can create 
with relaxation. A guided imagery exercise where you go to a place of perfect peace, feeling safe and relaxed, and from there begin to revisit a childhood emotional trauma. Which one? Whichever one bubbles up. You always trust your first impression when you're working intuitively in these relaxed levels of mind. You just say to yourself, I want to remember a time in my childhood when I was really deeply hurt and upset. And maybe there will be a rush of memories, but one will stand above the rest. One will sort of uh, demand your attention, stand head and shoulders above the rest, and over here. I really heard over here. Go to that one. Trust your first impression. Right? Subconscious knows. It'll present you with these recollections, these memories of emotional trauma in the proper order. You can you can rely on that in, innate intelligence in the subconscious mind. So trust your first impression. Go to that. And then I'm going to step through with you a process of creating an understanding and an opportunity to forgive yourself and forgive anybody that may have been abusing you or deliberately trying to hurt you or humiliate you. Yes, forgiveness is a very important part of this. But it's a part of a process of understanding deeply and completely from your adult point of view what you never could have understood so completely as a child. Further, when we're hurt as children, we don't have the ability or opportunity to express ourselves, so we hold it in. We don't have the language, we don't speak that well, we don't have the vocabulary that we need to express ourselves. But even if we did, uh, how, how are you going to do that, since most of what hurts comes from adults? or from a bully that's going to beat you up and humiliate you. And so what what's a poor boy to do, you see? So understanding, first of all, enhancing the memory so completely and exploiting, in the best sense of the word, to exploit, exploiting the ability of the subconscious mind to see everything is real and immediate, okay? It's not like a backup ego that judges, right? Are you sure? Are you sure that the part of you that decided you're sure is sure? <laughs> the ego could do that over and over again, but you only have one will. So the subconscious, being the imagination, it doesn't second-guess the will. It just believes, it imagines, it dreams. That's what it does. And the memory is in there. So I'll show you how to go back. And it's understanding that heals. I want to make that point. Now, what is the secret? Medical doctors for 
injury and illness have their pills and their powders, their potions and their surgeries. How do we heal mentally and emotionally? The answer is understanding. Well, what can you do to help me understand something I haven't been able to understand? Well, first of all, point out that you were just a kid. That's what we're dealing with. We'll talk again next week in part three about dealing with your current feelings and understanding the language of feelings from now. What about that old stuff? You, most of the damage is done before you're six or seven years old. You, at that age, three years old, four years old, when your heart is being broken, you don't have, the uh, again, the ability, you don't have the verbiage, the vocabulary to express yourself. And if you did, you'd, you would have been punished even more, you know, for talking back, for having an opinion. Parents don't listen. If your parents listened, you had exceptional parents. Most don't listen. Parents will complain to professionals over and over again. They'll say, I've had parents say to me on countless occasions, I talk to my kids till they're blue in the face and they just don't listen to me. And if you say, do you listen to them? They look at you as if you just slapped them in the face or threw a bucket of cold water on them. They're often insulted and sometimes angry and defensive. What do you mean do I listen to my child? No, who's the parent here anyway? They'll do what I say and it's my house and yada, 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 yada. All right, all right. That's why we're damaged. Okay. Doesn't seem like some kind of breakthrough that in awareness to realize we we could balance all the talking and the guidance and the instruction we do as parents with a little bit of listening, right? That wouldn't hurt, would it? To take a little bit of time, to show a little bit of interest, to help the child feel heard and understood, even if not agreed with. You know, if you as a kid know your parents don't agree with you and you're not going to get what you want, uh, that's one thing. Uh, but if you knew they understood and they had listened to you and given you an opportunity to make your point and they were being reasonable and understanding with you, that, that would go a long way to mitigate the hurt. But if you feel not only are you not getting what you want, but there's no rhyme or reason to it, they won't even listen to you, and you're accused of talking back and, sassing and not knowing your place. Um, Many people treat their animals better than their kids. So you're not alone if you have childhood hurt. Everybody does. And the good news, it's never too late to go back and fix it, to use relaxation and guided uh, guided imagery, the imagination, to access that subconscious mind particularly the memories and the emotional feelings that are in that deep, 
deep subconscious self and then use the intelligence you've gained over the years and that you now have as an adult to more completely understand what happened. And that understanding can heal you, can free you from the pain. In many situations, you'll always be a little tender, a little sore in this particular area, maybe scary, uh, carry a, uh, a kind of emotional scar tissue. But we can go a long way. We can essentially heal it with understanding in these deep, introspective levels of mind where we have access to the subconscious. Okay. So that's the process. That's what we're going to do today. Um, I'd like to... Let me do a time check here. It's 45 after. I'm going to outline the technique for you here. Then we'll go to questions and comments um, and respond to those. Again, if you're listening to the web feed, you have a text box on the page in front of you. Um, if it's disappeared, click on Ask a Question, and the text box will open up again, and you can type your question in there. Or if you're on the telephone or would like to go to the telephone, uh, once you're hooked up, press star 2 to raise your hand. Uh, on the telephone touchpad, star 2, and uh, that'll show up on my console. And if you have a question or a comment about our process here today, uh, do that. Either type it in now, include your name and your city, and hit submit. And if you want to uh, go to the telephones and talk to me that way live, start too. And we'll do that in just a couple of minutes. So here's the technique, basically. First, we have the so-called induction. This is getting into the alpha brainwave level. It's something that the self-hypnosis people and the guided imagery people are more used to doing than meditators. Not very many meditators are familiar with the idea of induction. They just begin meditating, and they know it takes them a couple of minutes to adjust. Well, that's the induction. Um, and it works. You can just start meditating, and you'll slowly slide into it. Or you can do a, the type of a, a meditation or visualization process that induces the relaxation. Um, there are many benefits that go along with that. And uh, after the induction, then we get into what feels in our bodies like a very safe and, and relaxed place. That's when our thoughts begin to quiet, our emotions begin to become calm and, and peaceful and tranquil. And then what we're going to do is think about a time that we were hurt. And I have a little technique to help you do that that I'll show you when we get there. I'll save for when we do it in a few minutes after the questions, okay? I have a way of helping you to create this sense of a place of perfect peace and then 
how do we go back into childhood? How do we do that? I'll, I'll show you specifically how to do that. And, and land on our feet right in front of a, or right in the middle of a, a situation that needs some fixing, that needs some understanding, that is, in spite of our uh, all the years that have passed, all the water that's gone under the bridge since then, uh, a, a, a memory of something that, that hurts, that was embarrassing or humiliating and needs understanding to heal. So we'll show you how to do that. And then there's going to be a sense of whether an individual, um, one of your parents or both of your parents or some other authority figure or maybe it was just a bully up the block that was uh, um, harassing you and bullying you, or somebody at school it could be a bus driver or a stranger on the street uh, that that hurt you. And there's going to be an opportunity for dialogue. And I'm going to again facilitate a process for you where you'll be able to express yourself something that you were not able to do when the original humiliation or hurt came down for the two reasons I've already explained. Number one, you didn't have the vocabulary. Number two, you're not in a position socially to express yourself. You make things worse as a kid if you try to express yourself. People call it talking back like it's a bad thing. And again, most parents aren't interested in listening. So whether it's parents or a teacher, some authority figure, maybe a stranger, a bully up the block, siblings, it doesn't really matter who it is, I'll walk you through an opportunity to express yourself. Um, that's going to be followed by, I want to keep some of this secret until we actually do it. I don't want to <laughs> tip my hand because it gets to be really magical. Uh, that'll be followed by, a process of forgiveness, really. Forgiveness as letting go. You know that phrase in psychology about emotional baggage and carrying your emotional baggage from your past, dragging it around wherever you go? Well, how do you put that down? How do you stop dragging that baggage around? Why do we drag it around? What's in that suitcase that we feel we have to carry with us every place? It's understanding, you see. We open up those bags, so to speak, and, and really understand what the hurt's about. There's no reason to drag that emotional baggage every place you go. You can let go of it. That's what forgiveness is. And it starts with forgiving yourself. That may surprise you. But, you know, a big part of the suffering we do as children is not only what is said to us or done to us, but our willing agreement and acknowledgement, our acceptance of the fact that, yeah, I, I guess it's true, I'm learning I am a bad little boy. Um, how many parents are discriminating enough to say, oh, you're not bad, your behavior is bad in this situation, and you've got me really upset, as a matter of fact, because I love you so much. And I'm so disappointed with your behavior. 
So why don't you go to your room um, and think about it, and when I cool down a little bit, we'll talk about your behavior. Now give me a hug and get out of here. Uh, You know, to distinguish, to separate between who you are and what you've done seems to me to be an essential uh, part of parenting, and yet I don't see it. I see parents still making the same mistake that they've made for hundreds or thousands of years. You are a bad little boy. You are a rotten little girl. And then it gets into stuff like, and I don't know why I ever even had children. Right? And I do and do for your kids, and what do I get? And then it gets, you know, crazy and hurtful. So you're going to have an opportunity by forgiving yourself for buying into this rap to put it down, but then there is also forgiving the abuser. You forgive yourself and you forgive the abuser. And I'd like to suggest that you also forgive God or your sense of whatever God is or fate or destiny uh, for not intervening. I think a lot of us as children get angry at God, who we think is Santa Claus. We got sort of the God-Santa Claus confusion thing going on about uh, prayers and gifts and magic flying sleighs and and such. Um, To to, to be able to forgive God for not intervening, for, uh, for allowing you as, I would say, the agent or the liaison of the spiritual oneness of things to go through this, having imbued you with a bit of divinity. I mean, you, you, you can handle it, even as a child. It's tragic we have to do it in such an inelegant and hurtful way, wake ourselves up, and hopefully in the future we'll grow in our parenting skills and be able to accomplish what we need to accomplish on this earth in a more elegant or graceful fashion, um, but one way or the other, we're going to we're going to be moving forward here. So forgiveness is going to be a part of this: forgiving yourself, forgiving the abuser, and even forgiving the absolute or God for not intervening. Forgiving means forgive, right? What are you giving? What are you giving up? What are you letting go of? Right? You're letting go of all your fear and all your confusion. Um, it again, it's understanding and love that heals confusion and fear, or ignorance and fear. The love and understanding go together, like uh, like a horse and a carriage, right? Love and marriage. Love and understanding go together. Uh, fear and ignorance go together. They roll off the tongue like they're one word. Well, they are one thing. What is love? It's understanding. What is fear? It's not understanding. Well, how do I convert or transmute uh, fear into love? You understand it. You, you, 
<laughs> you face it. You move directly at it. And that's what we need to do. But not in normal consciousness. There's too many other thoughts going on in normal consciousness. So you can't do this while you're washing the dishes or vacuuming, while you're driving in traffic, while you're uh, having lunch um, with someone or alone, for that matter. With your eyes open, uh, your mind is too stimulated. There's too many ideas demanding your attention for any one of those ideas to get the full focus of your attention that it needs to provide the understanding that you need to let go of the, the the fear and the hurt and the upset. I hope that's clear to you. So that's a little preview of the process that, that we're going to go through. Um, finally, let me say that crying is a good thing. Crying is um, crying is the other side of laughing. Laughing and crying are real closely related. So much so that there's such a thing as nervous laughter where people will laugh when they ought to be crying. And uh, people who get so happy that they, they start out laughing and it turns into tears. It's, we're sort of cross-wired in that area. So are you laughing because you're happy or sad? Are you crying because you're happy or sad? It doesn't really matter, except that we've put some kind of uh, onus on the crying. So you can laugh in public no problems, but crying is supposed to be this shameful thing that you hide and that reveals some sort of weakness. Imagine people telling you you're weak if you laugh, right? <laughs> it's ridiculous. So consider that uh, if, if you do experience in this process, as I lead you through it today, as you listen to the podcast or play it back again in the future, as you develop this on your own and repeat it with a, a different incident the next time and, and the third time you do the technique will be still another time in your childhood when you were hurt. Okay, You just keep repeating it, you're going to get better and better at it. So too, for those of you who are therapists, I want you to develop the technique, uh, make it your own, learn, um, be dynamic with it, experiment with it a little bit, uh, try this out, try that out. I never do it exactly the same way twice, and I'm not suggesting that there's only one right way to do this stuff, right? So especially to you practitioners and facilitators, you coaches and counselors and therapists, just you're going to go with your client to a large extent, your eyes will probably stay open. But you understand rapport. Every counselor understands rapport. And if you just stay in terms of being on rapport with your client, your body as a instrument will be sensitive to what they're going through and, and what they need. And, and again, this is what good counselors and, and therapists do anyway. They they have this level of empathy in, in the body. They're, they're really going to go along with you on the ride. All right. 
Well, having come to this point, then let's check the questions, the text questions. We'll go to the telephones. It's um, the top of the hour here, and so we'll do that visualization exercise in just a minute. Let me see if I have any callers. Star 2, if you have a question. I don't see any hands raised right now. Let's go to the text questions and hit the refresh button. And let's see, we've got uh, we've got someone in Auckland, New Zealand. Jeff is with us today. He says, "My God, what time is it in Auckland? Must be uh, late at night, early in the morning <laughs> tomorrow." Assuming one has deep resentment and anger that has locked them into a pattern of nervousness and childlike behavior, how does one grow up? Well, let's see. Deep resentment and anger, those just negative emotional feelings, locked them into a pattern of nervousness and childlike behavior. Yeah, well, that's the arrested development we talked about. Um, Usually if something negative keeps coming up in our lives, whatever it is, a thought, a pattern of thoughts, some autonomic, automatic, habit-like behavior, or a set of feelings, uh, it's coming up again and again for a reason. It's a symptom. It wants your attention. So the idea of, of a dysfunction from childhood, of having an awareness of acting like a child, well, you could say that this person is acting like a child because they were damaged in their childhood, or you could say there, the damaged child is acting out through the adult they've become. I don't know if that shifts your view of this or not, but I'm I'm suggesting again that we have these many faces, like a diamond that's cut to have multiple facets, to let the beauty out, to let all the light out. We have many faces or facets ourselves, sub-personalities. And um, many of them are the children that we've been still in us, like the rings in the tree. So this is so-called arrested development of childlike behavior, as if we stopped growing at the very point that we were hurt or humiliated. It gets complex because there are usually many incidents of hurt and humiliation that weave this whole tapestry. And, yeah, most of our, um, what's Jeff calling it here, resentment and anger, deep resentment and anger. Um, Even if it seems like you can peg it on what happened last week or three days ago when the boss said or, uh, you know, last month, when uh, somebody in your family, blah, 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 and that's why you're angry and and filled with uh, r- r- resentment. Even if it's obvious that it was triggered by something recent, that doesn't mean it's not also rooted, especially if there's childlike behavior uh, in the child. And so the question is, how, how does one grow up? Again, we heal childhood hurt. We grow up. We let go of that old baggage by understanding it. you got to open up the baggage and go through it, <laughs> basically, and then use the intelligence that you've 
gained in your maturing as an adult in these states of mind, that's the big secret, in these meditative states where the mind is clear and the heart is open, promoting the, oh, I see, the, oh, I never thought of it that way before, the, oh, well, no wonder I felt that way. Jeez, there'd be, there'd be something wrong with me if I didn't feel that way, but I bought into it because I was only five, and I just thought they were right, and I now realize my parents were wrong in this situation. And then you can rescue that kid, give him a hug. Okay, again, we'll do this in a minute. And thanks, Jeff. Thanks for being with us. I think that's the first time we've heard from New Zealand. Um, in Los Angeles, Canoga Park, Phil Jaffe is with us today. Hello, Michael. Just want, just want to let you know I'm out here listening. Good, great. Thanks, Phil. In Tucson, Lorelai Hatch, she says, Aloha, Michael, great class. Happy Mother's Day as well to all. And to the mother of us all, Mother Earth, peace and love to you and Doreen. Yeah, I've, gosh, I'd uh, failed to mention that. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. If you're not a mom, you have a mom, right? So, uh, Lorelai reminding us that our Earth is the uh, the maternal end of the big bar magnet, you know, Father Spirit, Mother Earth. So, that's a part of the divinity of it all so happy mother's day to the mother earth and all of you who are moms or hope to be moms and we all have moms happy mother's day all right let's see um we'll check back in later to see if anybody else has a comment or a question nothing specific and i don't see any hands raised in our telephone callers at this point so let's do this visualization exercise. And um, again, we're going to move right into the feelings. Uh, you you are uh, a spiritual being, and by that I mean you are built for this. Um, this is not going to break you. It's not going to hurt all that much. It's the resistance to not looking at these things that causes the hurt. That's the funny thing. The exercise is a big release and um, a letting go. So if you have the courage to face the hurt, uh, come on, let's go, because it's already been the worst it'll ever be. And uh, letting go through understanding the wonderful process. So get comfortable, close your eyes and relax. Get balanced, the shoulders back, the rib cage open. Do a couple of shoulder shrugs and some head rolls and get a sense of being balanced. And with your eyes closed, take a nice, slow, deep breath. The first of three or four slow, deep breaths I'm going to ask you to take. As you peek, hold for a moment, and then exhale just as slowly, and go beyond where you'd normally stop all the way out before you do a second and then a third in the same way. As you breathe these slow breaths, 
create and sense in your body a feeling of safety, a feeling of relaxation. Especially on the exhale side, this uh, almost like ah, the sigh of relief, a sigh of release. Feel the letting go. And then allow your breathing to find its natural rhythm. Just let go of the deliberate breathing and turn it over to autopilot. Let your body breathe itself at whatever rate, whatever cadence. And put your awareness as part of the initial induction here on the bottom of your nose, at the very point where air enters and leaves the body, and watch your body from that point as if you were a little spark of awareness on the cartilage between the nostrils, from that little point where the air enters and leaves the body. Just watch your body breathe itself. As you move from being the one who was deliberately breathing those slow, deep breaths to the one who now passively watches the body breathing itself. In the same way, we could set up a beach chair on the shore of the ocean and Watch the waves roll in as you inhale and crash on the beach as you peak. As you exhale, imagine water drain down the beach and back to the ocean. And it can be a fascinating thing for just a minute or two to mindfully detach. And watch your body breathe itself. This creates an opportunity for the mind to begin to quiet itself. The dust settles. All those ideas that seem so important, especially when we're stressed, just sort of fall away as you become more and more relaxed. And your emotional hurt and upset from the day tends to become undisturbed and tranquil as you simply allow yourself to feel more and more relaxed, safer. And so the quiet mind and the calm emotional heart are now more sensitive, more alert, and more aware because they're at rest. I'd like you to imagine yourself walking down a staircase as I deepen from ten to one. I'll count backwards slowly. And you imagine yourself going deeper, 10, 
as I do this backward counting, nine, just imagine yourself in your mind's eye walking down the stairs, eight, going deeper and deeper with every step, seven, becoming more and more relaxed as you go down the staircase, deeper, six, and deeper, moving slowly down the stairs, more relaxed, five, feel the letting go, leave it all upstairs, as you move deeper, effortlessly, a wonderful feeling, four, in a moment, when I reach the number one, you'll be deeper, much deeper than before, very relaxed, feeling very safe, deeper than before, three, moving down the stairs slowly, feel yourself just walking down the stairs, going deeper to becoming more and more relaxed, feeling really wonderful, wow. One, stepping off the stairs. You imagine moving out through a set of doors into the most beautiful gardens that you could imagine. And you find yourself walking along the path in these beautiful gardens. All manner of flowers, all colors of the rainbow in these flowers. and shrubbery, and trees. And it's a perfect day. Blue sky, a few white puffy clouds. And as you move on down the path, you may go from a cultivated garden of flower beds to more of a wilderness with warm open meadows and deep shady forested places. Maybe a little lake or a mountain stream, maybe waterfalls. You dream it up. A place of perfect peace, a natural place of ideal relaxation. And as you allow my voice to guide you, listen for the birds singing here. And the feeling you just made that up is exactly right. You can also hear the wind, if you listen carefully, in the tops of the tallest trees. Listen. And if you're in the direct sun, you can feel its gentle warmth on your face, your hands, your arms. If you're in the shade, it's a little cooler or or in a deep, enchanted, forested place, cooler still, maybe a little more moist. Perhaps you're near water. Find your favorite place, a special place, a magical place, that's just yours. Nobody knows about this beautiful place of peace and safety but you. This is your special place. 
sit here upon the earth on a grassy spot or on a tree stump or a log or a rock and feel yourself rooted into the earth, plugged in, grounded. And in your lap is a scrapbook. And it's a thick scrapbook, and it's open in the middle. And without needing to move at all physically, I want you just to imagine yourself slowly turning the pages of the scrapbook from left to right. As you move toward the front of the book, you're going from the middle toward the front, turning the pages left to right, you move toward the front of the book, and because this is a scrapbook about your life, as you move to the front of the book, you go toward your childhood, still turning the pages fairly rapidly as you would leaf through a magazine from the back to the front. You're looking for situations where you were hurt as a child, where you were shamed or embarrassed or humiliated. And several will pop out, perhaps a storm or flood of memories initially. But if you just take a breath and relax, You'll find that one incident now stands above the rest. There's one particular occasion that seems to call out to you, rather demand your attention. And you go now to that one particular event that seems to be calling to you. And you remember as much as you can right now about what happened here and why it hurts. And to go back there is to allow yourself to feel those feelings again. To take a breath and relax and allow yourself to experience what you experienced then. And ask yourself silently and internally, how old am I when this thing is happening? How old am I? Ask yourself, who is here? Is there a group of people, just one or two people, maybe one individual? Who's abusing me? Who's hurting me? And who's watching Think a little more about what happened, just to frame it. Imagining yourself at this age. And at the same time, I'd like you to imagine the adult that you've become, the adult that you are now, walking into that scene, walking over to yourself as a child, and introduce yourself, say, hi, do this silently and internally, just imagine saying, Hi, it's me. I'm the person you grew up to be. 
And I know it's been a lot of years, but with Michael's help, I'm coming back to help you understand this thing and fix this thing, because it's bothering me even as an adult where I am, still bothering me. And imagine handing yourself as a child what looks like a remote control to a television. And it's covered with buttons and arrows and labels, but as the adult you've become, you show yourself as the child you are in this situation. The one big red button that says pause. Or maybe it says freeze frame. And imagine explaining to the child when you push this button, everything here freezes except you and me. The people here that are watching are frozen in time. The individual or the group of people that are humiliating you, teasing you, making you feel bad, hurting you, shaming you, they will all be frozen in time. They cannot ignore you. They cannot leave, but they cannot speak, and they they can't move. They must listen to what you say. And as the child, imagine holding this remote in your hands. This is more control than you've ever had. And the adult who handed you this control now stands behind you with their hands on your shoulders so you feel the adult you've become standing behind you, touching your shoulders. So you can draw on their vocabulary and their understanding as you point this remote at the individual, the couple, or the group that is part of this hurt and humiliation and press pause, freeze frame, stop, whatever, that big red button freezes them. So they must listen to you, hear you, cannot ignore you, cannot walk away. Not this time. And I'd like you to spend a moment while I remain quiet, simply expressing your hurt from this particular situation. Not from everything this person ever did to you. Just this one particular situation. Do what you were never able to do because you didn't have the vocabulary and because it would never have been allowed. But you're safe. They're freeze-framed. They're frozen in time, and they have to hear you. And so now it's time for you to express how it feels to be treated this way. While I'm quiet for the next minute or so, imagine saying out loud, though you need only do this silently and internally, direct it at whoever hurt you. Tell them how it feels. Tell them how you feel as a result of what they're doing or saying to you. Take your time.
now take another minute to tell them a better way they could have handled this. Sort of reverse roles, and you tell them what they could have done and what they should have done. To teach you whatever they wanted to teach you without the hurt, the shame, and the humiliation. Tell them how they could have done it better. At this point, I want you to imagine that the adult part of you steps out from behind you as a child and move your awareness into the adult you've become standing next to your child, yourself as a child. And as the adult you've become, say to this individual, the one doing the abusing and the hurting, the authority figure, the parent, the teacher, the stranger, could be a bully, a sibling, whomever, they're still frozen. I'd like you to imagine saying to them that you're here to rescue this child, that you've come back to rescue this child from this situation. Because what they feel here is irrelevant. It no longer has meaning in your adult life. That you can learn the lesson. Indeed, you're in the process now of understanding more completely than ever. The lesson learned, whatever it may be that we carry forward, allowing us to leave the hurt behind. You're explaining this to the abuser. With a technique like this, we can take our lessons forward into our adulthood and leave the hurt behind. You're explaining we don't need this pain anymore. In fact, if you're angry enough, I refuse to be angry at you For another day, not another hour, not another minute will you have this power over me. I'm letting it go. I'm putting it down. I'm forgiving myself for believing that I was bad and and deserved these humiliating feelings. I'm forgiving myself, meaning I'm, I'm leaving these false assumptions that I made here. Come back to drop them off. And I'm forgiving you, because this is the past. And 
if I don't drag it into my presence every morning when I wake up, it's not real. I I leave it in the past, and that's I forgive you, and I forgive the cosmos, fate, destiny, the absolute, the God that is, the one life, for allowing me to go through all of this. Someday I may be wise enough to understand why it needed to be this way, or maybe it never did need to be this way, but it's over now. We're putting it down. And we forgive you. And as you do this, I want you to imagine now that you have the ability with one hand or the other to reach right inside your body as if reaching right into your belly and ripping out that pain, that hurt, and throwing it on the ground at the feet of the abuser and then reach in again and pull out some more of that hurt and it's like, you know, pulling old rotten food out of the back of the refrigerator. You pull out this ancient hurt, this toxin, and throw it at their feet. You say, I'm leaving this behind. I don't want it. I don't need it. It never was mine in the first place. I forgive. I'm letting go. And then imagine saying, and if you're able to do this part out loud, this, this, you know, if, if you're in a place at a time right now where you could actually say the following out loud, do it, and that is, I hereby reclaim my self-respect. And if you can't say it out loud in your imagination. Imagine shouting it. I hereby reclaim my self-respect. I feel good about myself. And imagine a blast of water representing that self-respect, the power of self-respect and the healing power of self-love like a blast of water coming into the parts of you that until a few moments ago had carried all of that hurt. And that water is rinsing and cleansing and purifying. And get it sprayed in there, a good, powerful spray. Every little nook and cranny of that cavity is rinsed clean and pure and washed and healed and restored to its original shape and full vital health as the last of your pain goes down the drain. And take your child by the hand, drop the remote, and walk away. And walk away and walk away, you and the child you've just rescued from this horrible memory, this lie that you now really understand much better than before. And with every step you walk away, you feel more free, you feel more liberated, you feel more whole and more healed. You feel lighter as if you took two steps and ran, you could jump and fly, you 
you feel so good as you return to your magical place of perfect peace. Bring your child back to the place that you come to be the best of who you really are. This particular spot in your place of perfect peace and give this child a hug. In fact, I'd like you to imagine pulling the child and the love that they represent. Self-love. Into your heart. Imagine hugging that child and feeling them as love coming right into your heart and filling your heart and filling that area that used to carry the hurt that's all rinsed out now but feel the love that you have for yourself as that child that you just rescued feel all of that love and that peace filling you feeling filled and full and fulfilled and warm and radiant you reorient yourself toward the sound of my voice Remember what you'll see in a moment when you open your eyes wide awake. Tell yourself that this will be easy to remember, this experience. Let it flash through your mind quickly and review it. Remembering you can always play back the recording of this class. And develop this technique as you apply the second time and the third time to different hurts from childhood. Understand them with the awareness that you've developed. And release all the hurt. Lifting fear and hurt into love and joy. By embracing ignorance and confusion and bringing it into the light, understanding, just understanding, and take a slow, deep breath now. This will be easy to remember, you say to yourself. Hold as you peek, and then as you exhale, ah, feel the letting go, and open your eyes now, alert, wide awake, back in the room, feeling fine with a full memory, a deep understanding. Take another slow, deep breath, just, and, ah, okay. Now, you may be a little tender, you might be a little raw still, right? little, uh, what's the word for clumped, that's okay. You're probably also able to feel a little bit of power coursing through you. Uh, it's a wonderful feeling of being healed and more whole than before. And again, if you will repeat this exercise, if you just in the next week repeat this exercise, 
either through your memory of it or by replaying the uh, the audio that will be up immediately on my website. You can replay this. Then the podcast comes out a couple of days after that if, you, if you'd rather go that route, whatever works for you. And visit a different one of these traumas each time, a different period or incident where you were hurt or shamed or humiliated, and reapply the technique each time, the effect is not only cumulative, but rather, what's the word, logarithmic or geometric? Like, it really, <laughs> really grows. It's not linear. It's hyperbolic. Like, what begins to happen is you start understanding that you bought into these false assumptions about you being bad or weak or stupid or not pretty enough or not smart enough or why can't you be more like your older brother or your twin sister or the kid up the block or, you know, whatever. Then it was our buy-in. Yeah, people did stuff to us. But what locked us in was we were kids. We were just kids. You talk to kids that way, they believe you. You tell a kid he's rotten and he'll never amount to anything, he'll do his best to prove you're right. He will make sure he never amounts to anything. Because um, that's just the the magnetism of psychology, of, of karma, the the and the spiritual planes, like attracts like. And whatever you put your attention on, we move toward. Basically, you reap what you sow. So we've got to clear this stuff up if, as adults, we want to be as focused and as passionate and as powerful as, as we can be in solving our problems and setting new goals. Not getting to a place where there are no problems. Would you give that up? trying to get to a place where there are no problems and instead devote yourself to being a better problem solver every day in every way, a better problem solver till you see problems a mile down the road before they even get here, you got a solution in place. And that struggle we call living becomes the most elegant dance, right? Stuff happens, but your power is in your perception and response. That's always up to you. Okay. Well, um, thanks very much for being with us today. I appreciate it. And um, let me check the uh, Q&A box again, see if anybody added anything. No, you guys seem all good to go. So this is part two, and next week part three of the fly training, feeling like yourself. And part three is uh, entitled The Language of Feelings. This is core emotional intelligence. We're going to talk about how to interpret as if it were a foreign language, right? How do I translate my emotions into something meaningful? What does it mean that I'm sad today or depressed or lonely or, or alienated, angry or contemptuous uh, frustrated, uh, what do these emotions mean? Okay. Most of us then turn to our thoughts. And when you think about an emotion, 
you expect it to be reasonable. Well, if an emotion was reasonable, it would be a thought. So you're using the wrong tool. To some extent, we have to discern our emotions with our mental nature, but not with logic, rather with intuition. And we'll talk about those two different ways to think logically and intuitively and why it's essential that we abandon the logic when we want to understand our emotional feelings and approach it from an intuitive intelligence. And we'll tell you exactly how to do that or some of the ways uh, to do that in part three next week. Okay, Please use the forward to a friend, share one with a friend gadget at theagelesswisdom.com. Once you go inside the site, theagelesswisdom.com, click homepage to go inside, then just click on web teleconferences. You'll see all the navigation links on the left. Choose web teleconferences. And these webinars come up. The full archive is over 100 programs. This program will be posted immediately. All the past programs are there. And any one of them you can send to a friend with the gadget that's built in there. Please do that. They'll benefit. You'll feel good. I'll feel good. These are not copyrighted programs. These are free. Put them out there. Again, I'm still doing this training, and I'm still charging basic standard industry rates for the work that I do. And you're always welcome to call and even though it's over the phone, it's amazing what we're able to do. Once your eyes are closed, you sort of forget I'm not in the room. Um, I do all kinds of counseling and training and coaching um, for what's pretty much the industry standard rate, no no premium rate whatsoever. But at the same time, I want to give all, as much of this stuff away free as possible, so please pay it forward, pass it on, put it out there. This is what saves the world, not politics. This is what saves the world, liberating people from their pain and their suffering. Then they tend to be nicer to other people. <laughs> okay. All right. I really do value the opportunity to speak to you. Thanks for being here. Forward the newsletter, too, and invite your friends. And uh, visit FocusedPassion.com. If you can support us with a subscription of three ninety six a month, uh, that's not $396, that's 99 cents a week, $3.96. You'll get a premium studio-quality audio program on similar topics, personal and spiritual development, with Steve Snyder and myself, studio quality. Help us support all of this other work also. All right, it's a, an enormous expense, and uh, we do it because we love to do it. So you can be part of that. I think you're going to feel really good about it. You understand what what we're talking about here, what we're up to, what it is that we're doing. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. This is Michael Benner. Aloha from Maui. <laughs>